This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, if you turn, please, in your Bible to uh, Numbers chapter 21, Numbers chapter 21, and um, verse four, and we're gonna be looking tonight at venom and anti-venom. Let's pray first. Father, do open our hearts now as we open your word. Cause, Lord, that the seed, the good seed, would fall onto good ground in our hearts tonight, Lord. We would hear, we would absorb, the seed would take root, it would bring fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Numbers chapter 21, verse four, start there. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, neither is there any water. Our soul loathes this light bread, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. All right, now, we've been seeing here in the gospel according to what? Moses, good, yeah, the four of the guys that come later. (laughs) <laughs> in the gospel according to Moses, and we've been in the gospel in the, according to Moses in the book of Genesis, we've been in Deuteronomy, now we're in Numbers. 
And it's this account here of the children of Israel as they sinned against God and they were, and God sent them these poisonous snakes. And the part that's so important here is how God gave the remedy for this snake bite. You know, for 10 years we lived uh, in Lakeside, uh, three miles down the dirt road part of Willow Road on a goat ranch of about, about 300 goats. How many you know where Willow Road is, okay? How many you know where the intersection of Wildcat Canyon and Willow Road is? Well, how many remember that that was the beginning of Dirt Road? Okay, none of you. <laughs> I remember, oh, one of you. I remember, <laughs> two of you, okay. That's where we were, three miles, three miles down there, we were a happy little family with 300 goats all around us. <laughs> and sometimes we go into the goat pen and we would see a goat just going down, going down, and we very rarely saw the rattlesnake. But our goats in particular were very nosy. I think every goat's nosy, but our goats were probably more nosy than other goats anyway. And always had to go see about what, what this was. So they always got struck in the neck, not the head. They always got struck in the neck. And most of the time, when we found the goats that were bit by the rattlesnake, it was just too late. And we were just, and they would go on for about three days in a terrible death, by death from the venom there. And we were so curious as to what happened that because they didn't, you, you didn't see the bite marks. But so what we did afterward is we took the dead goat and we would just start to carefully cut on the skin and peel it back, and what a shock to see this tissue that was all black, just totally black from the cytotoxic effects of the venom there. But sometimes, sometimes, after this happened a few times, we, sometimes we were on the lookout, sometimes we got there early enough and we saved the goats with injections of the, the rattlesnake anti-venom, which we always kept good stocks of. This is an account here, this is an account here of Israel and the venom, the venom that was killing them. And right now, what's happening with Israel is the people there, is they're traveling, and they're going through some very rough country. How many have ever been down to around the, the, the Dead Sea and in Getty down there, and, and you've seen, you know, that's a place you don't even wanna get out of your car to go into. It's so terrible, it's the hot and rocks and, and, and Actually, not so far off from some of our, but never mind. And so just very, very, very bad area there. And it was the hardness of this way. It was taking a toll on the people. They were discouraged, and they were, they were just downright discouraged where the Scripture says the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They were depressed. They were down. They were discouraged. How many ever felt that way before? Yeah. Physically exhausted, spiritually drained out. What do you do? What do you do when you feel that way? The Bible describes what you do when you feel that way as wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does that mean to wait on the Lord? What does that mean to renew strength? You know, it sounds so passive. Well, I'm just gonna wait on the Lord. You'll be coming anytime now. No, that, that's, it's not passive. Waiting on the Lord is actually very diligent. 
It's a diligent seeking the Lord, looking for God, as it says in Isaiah 8.17. Isaiah 8.17 says, and I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob. I will look for him. And to wait on the Lord means to look for God. When we're exhausted in our souls, the first step that we have to come to is to realize we need God. We need God. We must find God. To wait on the Lord is like a stretch of the soul, a stretching out to God. When the Bible seems dry, we're not getting any help from we re- when we read the Bible, the church is boring, you know. What do we need to do at that point? More fuel, more stretching out to God for help. To renew strength, from the Hebrew word kalaf, the, to renew strength, it means to change or exchange. I'll give you this, you give me that. Yeah? And that's what we need, that's what God is there for, to exchange. The worst thing that happens to us is when we sink into a state of self-sufficiency. When we fail to see ourselves as the Laodiceans in Revelations 3.14, that's the road to the soul becoming more most discouraged because of hardships. Revelation 3.14 It says, where the Lord says, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, now now notice this, This is very serious because God says here that he's gonna vomit them out because he's just they're lukewarm. So what is it about being lukewarm? He says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Counsel of thee, buy, buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him. We'll sup with him and he with me. The, you know, our problem is we become so, so easily disconnected with reality. Reality is we are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Apart from that, we're really pretty good. <laughs> like it says in Romans 7.18, Romans 7.18, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. To will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. That's not, that, that's not just a statement of doctrine. That's a statement of reality. And, and, and we don't like to think of ourselves that way. We don't like to think of ourselves in terms of dirty, rotten, as in wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. But that's reality. In ourselves, we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, and, and, and we so easily fall into this self-deception where we disconnect with that reality and conclude, no, 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 me, I'm rich. Me, I'm increased with goods. And the worst statement of all, we might want to put some air on a little bit. And the worst statement of all is when we say, 
I have need of nothing. I got it all together. I have, I am sufficient in myself. I have need of nothing. That's the disease of I have need of nothing. And that's the danger that leaves us, that can leave us discouraged, the soul discouraged when the hardships of life come, like we're seeing in verse four. It's the disease of I have need of nothing. And when, but by contrast, when we realize we have need of everything from the Lord because we're wretched in ourselves, we're wretched, miserable, poor, blinded, naked, dirty, and rotten inside, then we stretch our souls out to God because we say, oh God, you gotta help me. Why? Because I'm miserable, I'm wretched, I'm poor, blind, and naked, and when I need your help, and then God says, okay, then I'll exchange. I'll take, I'll take what you are, and I'll give you what I am. And that's the whole basis for 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30, which says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's a great description of exchanges. We come, we come with our ignorance, and God says, all right, in place of your ignorance, Christ has made unto you wisdom. Here's his wisdom. We come with our sin. God says, all right, in place of your sin, here is the righteousness of Christ. Here's the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come with our inner dirtiness, and he says, all right, then Christ has made unto you sanctification or cleansing. We come with a slavery, a bondage to sin, and he says, all right, then the Lord will be made unto you redemption from sin or freedom from sin. It's all in Christ. It's all in him. We sing this wonderful song, complete in him. Not complete in self, but complete in him. It's all in Christ, and that's what the great exchange is all about. And all the way from this soul discouragement to soul encouragement is to see the reality of ourselves that we're really in this terrible condition and to let that knowledge drive us to a waiting on God with a stretch. Now, that's not what the Israelites did. That was the problem. In verse five, and therefore it says, the people spake against God and against Moses, and they said these terrible things. How come you brought us out here out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? They said, there's no bread, there's no water. Uh, that, our soul loathes that light bread. The people blamed God for their hardships. They complained, they murmured against God. They murmured against Moses. They blamed God, they blamed Moses for bringing them into the wilderness to die. Now, that's really incredible for them to say, as we read here, because it would've been better in Egypt. You know, we wouldn't be dying in Egypt. In Egypt, they were dying slowly by being killed off from destroying all the male, male babies and working the people to death building those pyramids. They got some short memories here. And God saved them from that death in Egypt with these tremendous 10 plagues that we celebrate in Passover. And now they're accusing God of bringing, them, bringing him into the wilderness to kill him there. And then they said, there's no bread, there's no water. That wasn't true, that wasn't true. That bread, that manna was miraculous and it fell faithfully every day from the sky. Who's ever seen a bakery in the sky? <laughs> and there was not one day missed of that manna. Even Joyce couldn't make enough manna to feed all those people for 40 years every day. 
for 40 years until they entered the land and they kept the, that Passover, that historic Passover, and when they came to the plains of Jericho and they ate the old corn that was still there on the stalks, and the next day, the manna stopped to the day in Joshua 5.10, Joshua 5.10, the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal, kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at the, even in the plains of Jericho, and they did eat of the old corn in the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn the self-same day, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. That's amazing. For 40 years, every single day, except on the Sabbath, but the day before, twice as much. Every single day, God gave them this manna. And to the day when they found the old corn on the stalks and ate that, it stopped just like that. Didn't dwindle down, it stopped. What was God doing? He was taking care of them every day with that bread, that manna bread, until that time. It shows how God was watching carefully over them and giving them food every day. Water, he made water to come out of rocks for them. How many has ever seen a water come out of a rock? But that's what happened. Not a trickle, a huge gush of water to fill millions of people, you know, take the thirst to it. Millions of people drank from that. As it says in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 9.15, Nehemiah 9.15, thou gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger. As I said, where's the bakery? You ever saw it? He thou gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst. In other places, Scripture says it was a rock of flint, just in case you might think it was a soft rock. <laughs> and, and what happened? What's going on here? They ignored they ignored, this is the sin of ignoring. They ignored what God did for them. They ignored the bread, they ignored the water that God provided to them, and instead they said, God hasn't given us anything. God hasn't given us bread, God hasn't given us water. And when we see them here ignoring what God did for them, then all the more we value that hymn, count your blessings. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, Name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. And when we're thinking of what we don't have, you know, that's the time to count our blessings and to name them one by one. What a difference it would have made for them instead of complaining if they would just, well, now, wait a minute, before we start this complaining, why don't we sit down here and just start listing out what God has done for us? how he's protected us in this desert, how he's kept the enemy away, how we're not, at this point, they're not bitten by all those, well, they say serpents. In other places, it talks about scorpions. How our shoes haven't worn out for 40 years. How about that? But in one breath, in verse nine, they say, no bread, no water. And then they say this, in one breath, they say in verse five, there's no bread. And then in the next breath, they say, there is bread, it's light bread. But our soul loathes this light bread. Ah. They despised manna. They called it light bread. And then manna was a miraculous food. What was it in that manna that, that, manna that sustained them and gave them all the necessary nutrients that they needed? What was there in there? Was it some kind of yogurt bread or something? I don't know. I mean, I've never heard of a food like that. 
a bread like that, that's a, you eat that and that's all you can eat. That's all you need for 40 years and it sustains you. It was miraculous, but it, it didn't taste, I don't know. You get used to it, but in Numbers 11.4, Numbers 11.4, it says there, Numbers 11.4, the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting and the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? Where's the meat? We remember the fish, they said, which we did eat in Egypt freely. And now they give a, like a shopping list. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks. How many people here like leeks? I like leeks. They're interesting, aren't they? The onions, the garlic. How many people here like garlic? Most of you like garlic, yeah. You know, they, they, were, they were thinking, oh, we haven't had garlic in so long. Others said, it's a good thing, your breath would smell bad. But he said, and now, and then they said, and now our soul is dried away. How did you get from, how did you get from a lack of cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic to our soul is dried away? But see, this, they say, there is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was, as it says, coriander seed, the color of it. Anyway, so, but this is a miraculous food that they had, but they despise it and they began to dream about, have you ever, have you ever said, oh, you know, I just, oh, if I could just have this one food to eat and you build it up to such an extent in your, in your mind and that you're thinking to yourself that, you know, oh, it's gonna be great. And actually, when you do have it, it is great. But the second time, it's not so great, right? Because you kind of overbuilt it in your mind and that's what they were doing there. Okay, so they begin to dream of all these things, the fish and so forth. And they said, as they thought about all those food, that their souls were drying away. And it made God really mad. It made him angry when they were doing this complaining. And the first rule in life is don't make God mad. <laughs> That's the first rule in life. The second rule of life is similar to it, make God happy. If you got those two under control, you're really doing great. But they made God mad. They made him angry. And so it says in verse six, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and much of people of Israel died. It says clearly there, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Now, in that part of the desert, there are poisonous snakes, and some of them have this red, uh, red coloration on the top of their heads, and you could say, as you look at them, oh, looks like a fiery serpent. So in one sense, you could say, well, it's not unusual to see snakes like that. That's where they are. And as a matter of fact, some might have said, well, these snakes aren't from God, just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and God had nothing to do with it. But it was a judgment from God. But if a person wanted to say that God had nothing to do with it, they can say that. They can say that, and they could have a basis for it. it wasn't true, but they could say it. Kind of like believing in evolution. Sort of like believing in evolution. It's so obvious that God has created everything, but people can't see God. So if they want to believe, as the scientists say, God had nothing to do with the matter and life, they can say that. It's not true. They can say that. But the reality of verse six is the Lord sent fiery serpents. And that's the way it is today. Some natural, so-called natural tragedies, they happen and people refuse to see God's hand in it. They said God had nothing to do with it. Well, they can say that, but it's not true. This was a judgment from God. And what could be seen in this judgment was that it was fast. 
It was with no warning. You know, there was nothing like, you know, if you don't stop that complaining and you don't stop that murmuring, you know, God's gonna do something really terrible to you. Moses didn't say that. There was no warning and Moses didn't tell the people, look, you're walking on dangerous ground. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.